We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, is Justin Mello, and we got a show for you guys tonight. Wow, what an awful, awful game the Titans played on Sunday. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this team in general, what we think of them, how they stack up against the rest of the league. Did we overrate the Titans coming into the season? Did we overrate this roster? Is it time to lower expectations? We'll answer all those questions soon. And then we will preview the Jacksonville Jaguars with a special guest, John Shipley, of Jacksonville Sports Illustrated, will join us to talk about that game. Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I, I'm doing better than the Titans are doing. Why, why don't I leave it at that? So let's just get right into it because obviously nobody enjoyed Sunday's game if you were watching it as a Titans fan. It was really, I mean, I honestly think we talked a lot about this in our Broadway group chat during the game. We we were we were pretty heated during this one, folks. I mean, I got to tell you, it was going back and forth quite a bit just to give you a little peek behind the curtain at us, but Yes, there were some people ready to burn the team to the ground, fire everyone. I'm not going to name any names. I really think it was a tale of two halves. The first half, sloppy, failed to execute, but overall, not that bad. Second half, horrible. Just horrible on every level. Uh, What were you thinking? I want to just let you go at it. Vent the frustrations that you felt during this game as you watched it unfold. Geez, I, I don't even really know where to start. Um, I, I thought they played a bad first half. I, I know uh, I got some pushback on that in the group chat, but I didn't think they played a good first. I don't think anyone could realistically say they played a good first half of football. I mean, they gave up a bunch of sacks on third down. They got to the red zone and and, and gave up sacks and settled they for field a pretty goal. good first half on defense. They had that interception. Yes. They got off the field yes, early yes. on. They did give up a touchdown drive. They gave up that touchdown drive. I I think my complaints more are rooted in, again, you get down to the red zone a whole bunch of times and you you give up sacks on third down time and time again. It's the same thing. Really, the Jets are attacking you. They're overwhelming you with the late blitzes. Uh, The assignments aren't, you know, aren't being picked up. Communication doesn't seem to be there, which is odd. I want to get into that a little because this is a group that's really been together uh, for quite some time. So that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But uh, then you, you get a bad snap, air mailing, uh, Aaron Brewer coming in and air mailing it over Tannehill's head. So again, that was on a third down in the red zone. So uh, just really, really sloppy there. And you settle for a bunch of field goals and was not, I don't, I don't think Mike Vrabel would, would tell you that that was a good half of football uh, in the first half, uh, uh, especially I imagine things like that drove him crazy, right? The, the, all the errors in the red zone being consecutive uh, at that. And then you get to the second half. And I mean, all of a sudden, you know, I, I think lost in all this a little bit, um, well, maybe not lost in it, but this is a New York Jets team that got shut out the week before offensively and scored six points the week before that. So they had they had they had come into this game uh, scoring 20 points total uh, in the first three weeks. Right. They scored 14 in week one. And that was the highest of the season before uh, this game. Against, they scored six in week two. And then they scored zero in week three. They got worse each and every week. Right. The first three weeks on offense. 
Uh, then they come in, you know, they're, they're at home, but they put up 27 points, you know, on the Titans and they win the game in overtime. And then Zach Wilson, who, you know, for, for reasons went with the second overall pick, right. Not going to, you know, pretend <laughs> that he's some awful. I uh, no, I meant good. Re- I meant good reasons that I know it sounded probably <laughs> for reasons that we don't know, but I mean, he went with the second overall pick. I wasn't, he was my QB four on my uh, big board on my final rankings, but you, you saw the promise. You kind of could put of yourself course. in New York's shoes and understand why, uh, they liked him. Not More just like fell in love with him, really, right? Picked him yeah. over Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Trey Lance and yada, yada. He's Mormon Mahomes, yeah. Right, yeah, Mormon Mahomes. I love that name. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he sure as hell looked like it against Tennessee, right, with his ability yeah. to create off script in the second half. But then again, I, I don't know who who can't do that against this defense. So, uh, But that, that, that second half, I mean, de- defensively especially, I mean, what a disaster, right? What an epic disaster. Just... The, the the a couple fifty yard bombs I think to Keelan Cole I think was on the receiving end of both of them I, and I think Corey Davis Jack, obviously had yeah of course the Corey Davis touchdown that Breon Borders for some reason was in the game for and had coverage and on and was, the was terrible. pass interference downfield was another huge play Dane Crochet's pass and I mean talk about talk about a head scratcher I, I don't know about you but I kind of just laughed because I don't know what the heck I mean look I get it you and I maybe it's easy to say this from the couch but I, I have no idea what he was doing on that play I mean he had pretty good positioning, right? I mean, that was a, that was a prayer ball if I've ever seen one. And he just seemed to panic at the last second. It it was very obviously a pass interference penalty. No, no shadow of a doubt that it was DPI. And I I have no idea why he did it. Right. He just, uh, he just kind of panicked, I guess. And and that was terrible. And hundred percent. I think Breon borders also panicked on Corey Davis's touchdown. I mean, he was in decent position there. Both guys panicked. If they just turn and look for the ball, they could both of those could have been interceptions. And you got Wilson dictating it there, right? Like he's he's escaping pressure, trying to create off script, and he's telling Corey, right? He's pushing him down the field, and yeah. of course it works, right? And then then you get you get the fumbled snap that he picks up and throws for a big completion. Yeah, there was I think that that one went for a pretty big completion. There's another one though, again where it's a bit of a broken play or off script certainly, and Keelan Cole, uh, Jack Rabbit, just totally. I think he looks. I, I have to go back and watch a tape, but I think Jack Rabbit thinks like it's going to be an out route, maybe, right to the sideline, and Keelan Cole ends up getting behind him, and I think like that a, ended up being like a. Sorry? It was either an out and up or a wheel in there that got. Yeah, it might have been a wheel again. It was it was one of those two for sure, and then but he ends up getting behind them, right? And Jack Rabbit has misread it, and it's a fifty-three or fifty-four yard completion, I think. So, uh, just so many issues on this defense, and with, with giving up the big plays and. And, and I, you know, I don't want to get into this too much because I think that's a longer conversation maybe for a different day. But don't forget that they changed, uh, what, seven starters on defense. And they sent a very clear message that it was personnel, not coaching. That was the issue here. And, and, and keeping Shane Bowen was a very, very unpopular decision. And Mike Vrabel stood behind that. And, and by doing so, pretty much you know, guaranteed that this defense would get fixed. And that last year was an issue again, without flat out saying it, but a, a player's issue. They, they have to say it. They went out and cut the whole secondary, right? Basically. And, yeah. and, and, and changed some things up in the front seven on the D line, especially. And of course at pass rusher. So, uh, but here we are. And it, I don't know about you, but it, it looks the goddamn same to me. A lot of the issues that we saw last year appear to be recurring, but I will say, you know, four games in with seven new starters there, it could take time for these guys to gel. I think 
What's most frustrating to me is the way that they treat these players throughout the week and during the offseason, the way that Vrabel seems to run practices. I know they're professionals and they're veterans and they don't need that much time to get up to speed, but there's just something that feels lackadaisical or that they're not taking things seriously or I don't know. It just feels like all these decisions don't make sense to me. Like Bud Dupree being active for the Colts game, but we're only going to use him if we need him. And then he doesn't play. It's like, why is he even really active if he's not ready to play? And then you have two fullbacks active and they play a total of like, what, five or six snaps, something like that. It's like, what are we really doing here? What's the strategy? What what are we trying to accomplish Christian Fulton playing 18 snaps in the slot when he's been so good outside. It's just like the, the, I feel like we're seeing the communication issues that you talked about on the O line. The defense has all these issues. Feels like a manifestation of the way that the decision making just seems so illogical. I don't know how else to explain it. I'm just baffled by all the choices they're making. And I need to see that change going forward to feel good about this team for the rest of the season. But, Anyway, that's we'll get to that in a minute. I think for this game specifically, overall, this game was a matter of like, it felt like the Titans were good for 75% of the plays, but on the 25% of the plays that they weren't good on, they were so bad that they cost them the game. And it's those big plays on defense. It's the third downs on offense. The Titans ran 90-something plays in this game. They had 30 first downs in this game. Almost double what New York had, 16. They ran, yeah, 93 plays. They had 19 third downs, the Titans did. 19 in one game. And they only converted five of them. They gave up seven sacks. I don't know if every sack was on third down, but they it might have been. Every it might have been. been. Sure, like, and if it wasn't, it was six of them. Yeah, yeah, you know, it definitely felt like it. And, and, you know, I mean, Derrick Henry was great. It, it felt like the team... Finally woke up there heading in before overtime where it was like, we need one drive. Let's go get it. And they actually went and they got it. They drove all the way down the field. It took a penalty on a fourth down. Sure. To keep the drive alive, but they did it. They marched on the field. They get in the end zone with Derrick Henry. And I really thought they were going to do that again in overtime. And it just came down. I think in the first half, those red zone opportunities, you maybe convert one or two of those three that they didn't convert. If you have AJ Brown and, or Julio Jones, just one of them. And the same thing goes for the final drive, I think. If you're not targeting Nick Westbrook-Akine and Anthony Ferkser and Josh Reynolds, who all dropped balls that they should have had at different points in this game, maybe it's a different outcome. But, you know, that's part of football is you got to play with the next man up. So I don't know how to feel. It's like you got to eliminate the inconsistencies. And it's only four weeks into the season. There's lots of time to continue to eliminate those. But that's where I'm at right now is it's like this team shows flashes of being good but they're so inconsistent, it makes you think that they're not very good. And 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 I don't think, and I, and I want to make another point about this game before I, I get off on this, but I don't think they've played a good football game yet. I mean, a, a not truly a, good, complete not, four, four quarters, quarters of good football? God, quarters. no. No, I mean, no Seattle was a good half, obviously, and that was terrific. And Indianapolis had flashes, but again, that was closer than it probably should have been given – uh, the fact that they had a gimpy quarterback out there, but well, uh, they did lose a turnover battle three to zero and they still well, won by double game. digits. Yeah. Right. But it's you, not a good game because they won the turnover battle three yeah. to zero. The lost turnover battle three to zero. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But well, another point on the Jets game, it's it's not like again to to add on to the misery. 
it's not like the Jets, in my opinion, played a great football game. And the Jets tried to give this game away a couple times. I mean, yeah. they showed flashes of being a bad football team that doesn't know how to win. And yet they still won. I mean, that's, if you really, I mean, they had the interception early, right? That was a, a Zach Wilson error, in my opinion. I know Corey Davis fell down on the play, but it wasn't a great throw to begin with, in my opinion. Fulton uh, had yeah. it well covered. Um, you, get a, you get the Titans in fourth and 10, and you give up a DPI, and, and it was the right call, in my opinion, but it wasn't a yeah. necessary uh, uh, error to make. I think he probably could have got there and maybe disrupted that play uh, without having to, you know, uh, perform a pass interference. So, but these are, you know, I mean, these are things bad football teams and do, right? Zach they get Wilson, in fourth and ten. Zach and Wilson they, could have uh, iced the game on an out route to Corey Davis, and he overshoots him. Right, and I think there was the wasn't there the play in overtime to the tight end in the flat that he kind of yeah. it's a it's a low throw. If that throws on the money. He walks into, walks the, end into the end zone. He walks yeah. it. So there's another error. And then not to mention, you get the third and the third and goal or whatever from the one yard line, and they and lose, lose five, five yards. yards or four or five. <laughs> right. So these are all things that bad football teams do. New York Jets are a bad football team. They did bad football team things. They tried to give this game away many right many times. It felt like the Titans should not have been in it, but somehow still were, and yet they still lost the game. And to me, that only adds to the overall disappointment. Right. Like, that's the thing that is so frustrating for me is that it's like they're just playing so sloppy that a team isn't making a whole bunch of really great plays against them. I think Arizona did, but it wasn't like New York just outplayed them. The Titans played a good game and just got beat. It was no, it wasn't. Like you said, yeah, New York was trying to give the game away. So I think that sloppiness, that inconsistency, that's what's really defined their season so far. And I want to talk about them in relation to the rest of the league. Start getting to some of these questions we teased at the top of the episode. Like, where do you rank this Titans team right now relative to the NFL? You look around the league and you see these teams like the Chargers making great strides this season from last season to this season. The Panthers, the Broncos, the Raiders. Those three teams lost this weekend, but you get the point. The Bengals, the Cowboys. I can go on and on. All these teams that have shown so much improvement. They came into the year with hope and promise, and they fulfilled those hopes thus far, and the Titans have not been that at all. The story of their season has been this inconsistency, continuing to beat themselves in big moments. It's led to two and two, and it could have been worse. So where do you have them ranked relative to the rest of the league right now through four weeks? You know what? I wasn't planning on doing this, but to answer your question, I'm just going through the list of NFL teams right now. <laughs> and this can change, obviously, in the coming weeks as power rankings uh, often do or more teams than always get better. Do. Teams get better. Teams, teams get, get worse better, throughout teams the year. Get worse. But you asked right now. I would yep. say right now, Buffalo Bills are very obviously better. Baltimore Ravens are better. Two. Cleveland Browns are better. Three. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are better. Four. The Las Vegas Raiders are better. Denver Broncos mm-hmm. are better. The Kansas City Chiefs are better. The Dallas Cowboys are better. The Green Bay Packers are better. Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Buccaneers are better. Carolina mm-hmm. Panthers are better. The Arizona Cardinals are better. The Los mm-hmm. Angeles Rams are better. 13. And I'm really, t- I mean, San Fran and Seattle would be right there for me. I think that one is really close. So either they are right there where I've cut off at the Rams or they're behind the Seahawks and the 49. So I only beat thir- the Seahawks, but. 13 to 16 right now is where they're, where they're probably ranked. Yeah, and, I, so, and if I didn't go through that exercise, I probably would have said 15 to 18. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. So yeah, I would have said around top 15, but definitely top 20 around top 15. So does that mean we overrated this team coming into the year? Is this what they are this year? Or is there room for this to move back to I feel like I had them maybe sixth overall coming into the season? Can they get back to that in the next few weeks? Or is it just going to be a long season? It's hard to say, right? And I don't want to I mean, you know, yeah, that's the question that the entire yeah, I, I season. I don't want to say, on, oh, right? they're definitely going to get there because that would be naive of us and silly of us to, to say that based on what we've seen. But I think a lot of things are going wrong for them right now that have them in this position. And I think some of those things can reverse. And I don't know if it will, but I mean, and a lot of them are obvious. Look, you get AJ Brown and Julio Jones back and they're healthy throughout the course of the year, then they're going to be better. This yeah. offensive line starts performing to the level that we expect them to. Specifically, guys like Taylor Lewan and Nate Davis. To, to and be David Questenberry. I mean, obviously, we don't expect I mean, a whole Kessenberry, lot out of him. Look, but, I'll gosh. be blunt with you. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in. I, I don't think Kessenberry's a terrific NFL tackle. I think it'd be silly of us to, to think that he is. That those first few weeks, I know were so good, but that's you know he's probably a guy that's going to be inconsistent, right? It's going to give you good play yeah. some days, bad play the other days. That situation you're in at right tackle. I mean, we called it before the year started. They'd probably get decent replacement type level play from him, right? So. Good weeks and bad. I'm not going to focus too much on him because he's kind of been, you know, yeah, I obviously he's been great some weeks. He was terrible against the Jets. Overall, I think he lands somewhere in the middle there, right? But Taylor Lewan and Nate Davis are guys that you think are, you actively think are good football players, right? And good offensive linemen. Those are guys you have real expectations for that they have failed to meet so far. So when I'm talking about how do they get better, well, you get guys like Julio Jones, AJ Brown back, and they start playing, you know, to the level Bud that Dupree we Dupree comes capable. back and Bud actually Dupree, helps. I was going to get there. But sorry, what was that name you said there? Bud Dupree actually helps, I said. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Bud Dupree actually helps. And they didn't pay $80 million to a guy that's only got one knee now. Right. Yeah. So you really hope that that's the case, obviously. And then the O-line, uh, again, not just individually starts playing better guys like Luan and Davis, but as collectively, you, the communication is better. They don't miss these assignments. They don't get overwhelmed by these delayed blitzes that the Jets were just running time and time again with what felt like a 100% success rate. Right? Yeah, I with, don't know how many guys times. Like, where Nate Davis like doesn't see anyone immediately, so he right. turns to his left, and then a linebacker shoots the gap completely untouched and flattens Tannehill before he has a chance to even think. So that's what I'm talking about when I say missed assignments, miscommunication, right? Things that they're not picking up on right now not just on an individual level but collectively as a unit i think as well so and again this is an o-line that ran for you know powered a 2000 yard rusher last season right four of those five starters back right where yeah luan wasn't there most of the time but he's supposed to be your best one right so they're not going to dwell too much on that so there is a path for and pretty much everything we said was on offense by the way you may you may notice there but there because i don't think we have a whole lot of hope that this defense becomes significantly better well, here's than it the is thing. right now The defense is playing better than they were last year. They're giving up these big plays, but other than that, they're, they're at least better than they were last year, which is really all we needed. But it's more, it's so marginal. There's, they're still giving up big plays and they're not getting after the quarterback. I feel like they are though. I mean, they, they are, they didn't sack Wilson enough in this game, but they did get to him. And I, I mean, Harold Landry has been playing really well. I think the defense has made enough of a step that if the offense was the elite offense, it was last year. This could be a deep playoff run type team, but the offense is letting them down so far. And I know, yes, we both said it multiple times. AJ Brown, Julio Jones being out is huge, but like Jeff Swaim as a blocker has just gotten his, just gotten worked repeatedly. 
causing huge tackles for loss. And those kinds of plays just derail drives entirely. You got penalties that end and derail drives in the red zone. You got fumbles in the red zone. You got interceptions that bounce off players' chests. It's just the offense continuously shooting themselves in the foot. Sacks. We talked a lot about sacks. On the other hand, this same team converted a third and 21. Like, I, I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, I do think you bring a fair point that if the offense is playing uh, at the elite level that a, they played at last year and B, we very well expect them to play at, especially when they went out and got Julio Jones, that maybe the defense is less of a talking point and, and that the improvement, you know, I, I do think there's been improvement. I just think it's been ever so slight, which is disappointing based on how bad they were last year. But I do think that quote unquote improvement would probably be enough um, to have us uh, maybe not be so down on them. Because truthfully, you're right, it's the offense that's really let this team down throughout the early portion of the year. I mean, they, you know, uh, 20, 24 points against the Jets and and what was virtually five quarters of play, in my opinion, is, is not good enough. Was it 13? Week one against Arizona was a disaster. Week three against Indy was also, you know, kind 25. of, I mean, 25 points. It's But it's the type of thing where if they just – get better at converting their chances. Indy, it was turnovers in the red zone that wrecked them. New York, it was sacks in the red zone that wrecked them. It's it's That's why I feel like it's the offense that needs to step up because it's the offense that's been so sloppy and letting them down so much. Even Arizona, I know the defense didn't like do a whole lot to help them, but they gave them chances to get back in the game. Kevin Byard had that interception that, and the Titans even scored off of it, but then they just couldn't get it together. And it feels like, you know, people were talking all offseason, how are you going to stop this Titans offense with Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones? And, like, obviously they're hurt right now, but when, when they're back, the recipe to stopping them is to just get instant pressure on Ryan Tannehill. So I do think the offensive line, if I had to put the biggest issue under a magnifying glass for me right now, it's offensive line execution of pass blocking assignments. If that was fixed, the Titans could be three and one or maybe even four and oh. I mean, Chandler Jones career day against Titans, right? The Jets had six, play, four players with six or more pressures, which is like the most in the last five years to have that many players with that many pressures. It's like, as Greg Rosenthal put it on the Around the NFL podcast, it's not one guy's beating them. They're getting beat across the board. Old All team. these different guys, inside linebackers, outside linebackers, defensive and, linemen, everyone. And again, that tends to show you kind of back to what I mentioned earlier. It's more than a, than simply uh, guys are losing one-on-one -on -one battles, right? They're yeah. just getting outplayed. No, this, this is, again, misassignments, miscommunication. Yeah, that's what leads to six guys beating you, right, in, in, in yeah. one day. And Four. by the way, a, a note I wanted to make because I noticed it earlier today, Chandler Jones, who's a terrific player, has not recorded a single sack since his five-sack day against Tennessee in week one. He is still at five sacks. So wow. I thought Titans fans would maybe enjoy uh, that update. Yeah, right. I'm sure they do. So let's move on now. One more question here before we get to the Jags preview is the expectations. After these first four weeks, well, first let's talk preseason expectations. Your expectations were Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, all uh, the the quote unquote I use air quotes here. The retired Mike Miracles, who who knows very damn well he can't retire, uh, said something <laughs> on the, the radio today. He was on the radio today. He was on the radio today. He did Buck's show, didn't he? Yeah, on Tuesday. So uh, maybe it's something in a group chat uh, on Tuesday with us that I think was 
kind of captured my thoughts. He said, look, I, I didn't expect them to win the Super Bowl, but you know, that that's tough for anybody to say, right? Only one team wins, but I did expect them to play like a team that can win the Super Bowl. And that's kind of where my expectations lie, right? They're a team that uh, it, it can win it and uh, will make the playoffs and, and, and will look capable of making a deep run. We'll not just get in because the AFC South is horrible and someone has to win it. No, a team that wins the division and can win the Super Bowl because they're a good football team and can compete with the best. Uh, they don't look anywhere near that right now. And I think we'll find out a lot about them. I, truthfully, uh, they can win this week by 30, 40 against Jacksonville. And I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in it that's almost a, a, a shitty place for them to be in. Cause I'll put a lot of stock in it if they lose right. to Jacksonville and Trevor, but I'm not going to put a ton of stock into it if they win. Cause that team is an organization that's such a dumpster fire right now Yeah, that uh, they should win. Right. I mean, uh, technically speaking, but, and I said this before the jets game, but we'll find out what they're made of when they play Buffalo and Kansas city in back-to-back weeks. That to me is what it comes down to right now they have the look of a team that's going to get their butts kicked up and down that field in back-to-back weeks against those two teams. But if they can play well in those, they don't even need to win both of them. They need to play well, compete for four quarters, play a thrilling, exciting game. I don't care if they go one and one and they lose 34, 31, 34, 28 in that other one. They need to look like a team that's capable of hanging with those big dogs. Cause those two teams, I, I know Kansas city's two and two and Buffalo lost the first week to Pittsburgh. That was unexpected, but those two teams, I promise you, they are big dogs. Oh yeah. No kidding. And Kansas city lost games early in the year. I mean, they're two and two, just like the Titans and they lost games in similar ways, turning the ball over way too much failure to execute in the most important moments. And I feel like if you know, they get things cleaned up before the Titans do and come week seven, that's going to be a really rough game. I feel like Buffalo had a rough week one against Pittsburgh, but they've looked like a juggernaut ever since. Josh Allen's back in his groove, hitting all of his receivers, including his new toy, Emmanuel Sanders. And just watching the way the Titans pass defense has looked, I mean, against guys like Zach Wilson, who hadn't played well at all this year. Yeah, I'm terrified of what those two quarterbacks, Mahomes and Allen, are going to do to the Titans defense. So expectation-wise... If you were thinking this is a Super Bowl caliber team coming into the year, I do think it's time to lower those expectations. I mean, that is a hard thing to accept and swallow only four weeks into the year because on the other side, the team totally could cut the sloppy play out, get their communication stuff together, and become a Super Bowl caliber team by week 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever. It sucks that the bye is so late, week 13, because they they really need a chance to get healthy and regroup. But on the other hand, the division is so bad that the saving grace here, I think, for this team is that they have the time to figure it out because they already beat Indianapolis. They have a buffer right now in the division. They get to play the Jags this week, which, I mean, anything can happen in the NFL. We saw that last weekend, but they should win this team right now the way that the Jags' entire organization is functioning or not functioning with Urban Meyer at the helm. I feel like they really need this win, the Titans do, after last week. So it does feel like a game they should go out and win. So they're going to have this di- this division buffer and this time to gel and whatever the heck else they need to figure out. But as we said, you know, the, the fact that some of the same problems are coming up that we saw all last year on defense with the, you know, receivers playing way off the ball and miscommunications and not getting aligned before the snap is just like these inexcusable mistakes that should have been cleaned up a long time ago. and and. I know it's only week four, so again, they have time. But I think 
expectations right now are win the division and cross your fingers that this team figures it out because we're really just like Mike is something else Mike said in the group chat the only thing the only reason we have to believe that this team can get better is that they got better in previous seasons but nothing we've seen in this season has any indication that this team can win a playoff game right now but you know you what you make the playoffs you get a home playoff game if you win the division and anything can happen from there so I think that's where my expectations are at right now I don't want to open this can of worms, but the way that this team is playing right now, and and let me prefix this by saying I do expect them to win the division, but the way that they're playing right now, I wouldn't be so quick to rule out that the Colts at least make a, make a a game of this thing. Yeah. It's not not impossible, but they did just beat the Colts again, despite losing the turnover battle three to zero by two scores. So, you know, they did really put their, foot down i mean i guess they didn't but they had the chance to like blow the colts out of the water and they still won by double di- or not double digits by du- two scores nine points yeah right yeah nine points. points all right well anything else you want to say about the rest of the season before we just look at this specific week five matchup no i think that pretty much does it let's let's bring john on terrific guest that we have this week and and looking forward to uh talking uh jacksonville with him and and certainly looking forward to talking urban meyer with him and and, and getting into the a bit of the x's and o's of this matchup all right we are excited now to welcome back to the show john shipley who covers the jaguars for jaguar report sports illustrated jacksonville thanks for joining us john how are you doing tonight hey thank you guys for having me i, I really appreciate it always love coming on Awesome. We're, we're excited to dig into this game. Justin, you want to start us off? Yeah, we're glad to have you, John. And this may surprise you, but the first thing we want to talk about is Urban Meyer. I imagine <laughs> you haven't spoken a lot or written a lot about him this week, but we are going to pick your brain on Urban Meyer. And, and, and number one, um, geez, I don't even know where to go. Uh, where are you, you, know, you at with him? And, and I guess more importantly, slightly, where do you think the, the Jags and, and ownership is at with him? Well, I, I think obviously, you know, the latest uh, situation is probably the worst one so far, or at the very, I, 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 at least the worst one that he's done, you know, since the regular season of training camp has opened. He's obviously made mistakes since he's come on board. And, you know, I, I think people are getting lost in the, you know, a lot of people are saying it's no big deal in terms of morality of what he did. But the issue of what he did was, you know, he had a failure of leadership as, you know, you're one of 32 men in that position in the entire world. You know, you have to show better leadership than that. Doing things that are just totally unheard of, such as not riding the team playing back. Those are just, you know, he's excuing all kinds of standards by NFL head coaches. And you can potentially do that if you have some credibility built in. But he's an own for, you know, head coach who came in here, you know, never having coached, you know, an NFL game. So, you know, any credibility right. to kind of do your own thing, be, you know, Bill Belichick like uh, you, you don't you don't have, you know, the resume to do that. And I think that's really true. And, you know, it's funny, Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts uh, for The Athletic, yeah. we actually had him he's on fantastic. the show. Yeah, he's yeah, great. He's we, we had him on the show uh, to, to cover the Colts-Titans game a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's funny, he pretty much stole the words right out of my mouth. Uh, he tweeted something earlier today that had crossed my mind. I, I swear it had crossed my mind. But uh, part of me wonders if fans even realize, lost in all this, how odd it is that he didn't fly home with the team to Florida following the loss in Cincinnati. I mean, obviously with everything else that's gone on, uh, being caught on camera and all that, it, it's kind of, it, it's easy to see how this maybe gets lost in the shuffle, 
but really how odd it is that he, you know, not just it's an Owen four team at that, right. Who just suffered a heartbreaking loss. I mean, yeah. he got up there on the podium after the game and said, those men are heartbroken in there. You know, they had a lead. It was a tough way to lose. They squandered that lead. Um, and then to not get on the plane home with those guys. I mean, that in itself, if, if, if it, whatever followed it, even if that didn't happen, that on its own is in my opinion, a failure of leadership. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. You know, you just go into the whole, you know, hypotheticals. What if something, you know, just, you know, obviously way out there, but what if something happens on that plane? You know, what if there's an emergency that the head coach is needed for, you know, they, they, they wouldn't have had him there. And, and obviously, you know, he's used the excuse that he has family in Ohio, you know, went back to Columbus, he grew up in Cincinnati, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, at, at the end of the day, you have one of 32 NFL head coaches, you know, those kind of things, you know, you know, potentially, you know, as the head coach of a college program that would, you know, maybe be in play, but as the head coach of an NFL program, that doesn't really work. And it, it wasn't surprising to me to see pretty much every former NFL player in the media today be like, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, you know, really unheard of. And, yeah. you know, like you said, it was the fact that it came after an emotional last second loss, you know, and, the, the, the story about the Jaguars should be, you know, obviously 0-4 team that's struggling, but a team that's improved each week and the number one overall pick just had the best game. But instead, the story is about the head coach and his, you know, failure of leadership. Right. That's crazy. And I, I wanted to follow up on that. Just looking at the future and where Urban stands, how do you see this resolving? We're hearing rumors that the players are are just like not where they laugh when he left the room after his apology or something was one report we heard. Like, do you think that this kind of just settles and we forget about it? Or do you see it leading to some kind of something bigger? I, I mean, that's the one thing about the NFL uh, things never can kind of, you know, settle. you're forced to kind of, you know, move on to the next day. You know, I remember even in the Jalen Ramsey, you know, fiasco that was early in my time covering the Jaguars, you know, it seemed, it seemed kind of wild, you know, to see a team kind of, going through the same emotions every day and preparing for a game that Sunday with all the drama going on, but that's the NFL, you know, above all else, you have to be ready to play on Sunday. So I think the guys inside the locker room are going to do, you know, everything in their power to be ready to play on Sunday, but it's only going to be up to Meyer and his staff to, you know, if, if they can win some games, I, I think obviously more people are talking about that. You know, you'll still have people talking about this incident, but if, you know, you're looking at Owen six, you know, at the bye week, then I'm not sure if this goes away. You know, we're going to move on to, to talk about something. Uh, I mean, this is a Titan show, so we enjoy talking about Urban Meyer and, and, and his antics. But we do want to talk about Trevor Lawrence and, and give you something to praise, because I do think that he has looked better with each passing week. Now, obviously, the turnovers have been an issue. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he turned over the ball, right, in Cincinnati. So no, that's, yeah, no, he, he did not. So that's obviously a, a, a huge telltale sign of improvement for him. What have you seen from the number one overall pick? And, and why should Jacksonville fans still be uh, excited about having him in their corner? No, absolutely. I, I think you've seen a quarterback who's improved each week. I think if you watch him on Thursday night football against the Bengals and then you watch him in week one against the Texans, I think, you know, you're watching two different quarterbacks, essentially, you know, some of the things are still the same and in terms of how he reacts to pressure, but you, you're seeing him just kind of game slow down, him get more comfortable, his process kind of speed up. You know, you, you guys have seen it with young quarterbacks before. You know, the first few games, they're always going to look a bit rushed, like they're not entirely comfortable, but eventually the game slows down a bit for them. And, you know, sometimes that can take a whole season. Sometimes it never happens. But for, for Lauren so far, I would say he's on an upward trajectory. It's not a case of, 
you know, quarterbacks going in there and just struggling completely week in and week out. Like, and, and Blake Bortles' rookie season, I don't think there's a legitimate positive you could take away from anything other than, hey, this guy's <laughs> good at not getting injured, <laughs> you know, despite getting hit so much. But I think with Lawrence, you're at least seeing, you know, some a high high peaks in terms of the throws he's able to make. And it's just really about him becoming more consistent. See, that, that kind of hurts me. I'm a little offended because I feel like my family, the best thing they say about me is he's really good at not getting hurt. So <laughs> I know where Blake Bortles is coming from, but all kidding aside, uh, I've got really good news for you, John, and everyone in Jacksonville. Uh, Trevor Lawrence gets to play the Titans defense in week five. <laughs> so you can prepare. And I don't care if my our listeners get upset at me for saying this. You can prepare for the best game of Trevor's young career this Sunday. <laughs> You, 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 you think so? Because in my experience, at least in my three years covering the Jags, every week that they're supposed to play well, you know, whether it's because the opposing team has players hurt, or quarterbacks out, star players hurt, they always end up falling, you know, on their faces. I mean, I remember, I, I remember, you know, uh, covering one game where a quarterback who I believe had been with 11 different teams and hadn't, hadn't started a game in like 10 years randomly came in for Washington and beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. So I, I, I partially believe you just after watching what Zach Wilson did, but I also partially lean to you. It'd be classic Jaguars for the Titans to just stuff them completely on it. It's funny you say all that. Cause I feel like Titans fans are going to relate. I feel like yeah. there's Titans fans who feel the same way about this team is really Curtis bad. The Painter. Titans should who Curtis Painter for the Colts. Yeah, exactly. Are we, the Titans almost lost to Washington that same year. Who was the backup? Josh Johnson or somebody like, yeah, that's like that? Was. Yeah, that's uh, what it was. Yeah, but, you know, we asked this same question to Michael Mania, who covers the Jets, last week. You know, a winless team that hasn't shown a whole lot yet this year. What has to go right for them to win against the Titans? And he was like, I don't really think the Jets have a chance in this game. And we were like, yeah, haha, the Titans are way better than the Jets. Now I'll ask it to you after we saw what happened last week where the Titans just couldn't convert in the red zone, couldn't get allowing huge plays in the second half and then couldn't, couldn't finish out the game. What has to happen this week for Jacksonville to come out on top? I I think the same things that you saw, you know, the Jets do, I think create explosive plays on offense. You know, I I really think the biggest reason Jets won is because of those huge plays Zach Wilson was able to create, you know, off script as the game went on. I mean, just those are complete field flippers. And in in my opinion, all it takes sometimes is one explosive play to get a team, you know, on track or in control of a game or even back in a game. So I I think consistently being able to do that, uh, you saw Lawrence flash the ability to do that over his first four starts, especially against the Bengals. You know, he had that 52-yard pass to Chenault while rolling to his right that, you know, immediately puts them in scoring position. So I think if he can capitalize on plays like that, that would be a big push for them. And I think also limiting the Titans on third down. You know, Titans are going to get most third and ones, third and twos, because, you know, they have an absolute unstoppable force in Derrick Henry. But I I think forcing the Titans into some unfavorable positions on third down where they're having to rely on a banged-up receiver's court, I think that would be their best position. Because right now the best thing the Jaguars do is stop the run. But even then, I I still wouldn't be confident in them being able to stop that run. Yeah, it's interesting. The third down thing, that was another problem for the Titans last week. They couldn't protect Ryan Tannehill on third down. They gave up seven sacks in that game. And it's just, I know the Jaguars have Josh Allen. And didn't they draft someone in the first round not too long ago? Uh, yeah, they, they drafted Caleb on Chase on last year. And he has one sack in 20 career games. Against, well, against, against the Titans, though. Against that one sack came against the Titans. There yeah. you go. 
you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, John, and I don't want to get too much into Chase on, but uh, I don't really fault Jacksonville for that one. I, I was in love with that guy coming out, man. I thought he was yeah, uh, just an incredible pass rusher at LSU. I mean, I interviewed the kid before the draft, really impressed me in my conversation with him. He's and a great guy. The, yeah, and the film film blew me away, man. I just So it's been, been, been surprising to see his slow start to his NFL career. Yeah, no, and the, the talent's there. You know, he's definitely flashed at times, I believe. Over the last four games of his rookie season, he was, you know, top five in the NFL in quarterback hits and pressures, et cetera. It's just for whatever reason, you know, he hasn't been able to actually, you know, finish those pressures and turn them into sacks. And that's kind of continued into this year. Yeah. John, this has been terrific. As always, we appreciate you for coming on. Uh, we're going to wrap up with, well, again, something we do with all our guests. Uh, give us a prediction, how you see this game going and, and maybe a, a final score. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Titans 31, Jaguars 20. I think Jaguars will, you know, create some explosive plays right out of the gate, you know, whether it's off their scripted plays or just Lawrence continuing to, you know, grow and take the next step because I genuinely do think he's going to be even better than the week before because that's just how he's trended. But ultimately, I don't give – the Jaguars defense has – it's just looked overmatched. They, they don't have the horses they need to run their scheme, and they also have a scheme that – is extremely flawed. So when you're kind of losing <laughs> on both ends of that battle, you, you know, they're trying to run the Baltimore Ravens scheme with a lot of guys who wouldn't make the Ravens, you know, 53 man roster. So ultimately I don't give them much chance to kind of slow down the Titans offense. Well, John, if there's one thing we can guarantee you and that we can agree on is that the Jags will create explosive plays on offense. We can <laughs> almost be certain of that. So Thanks for coming on once again, John. This has been terrific as always. And we'll probably see you again later in the year for uh, the second meeting between these two. Hey, thank you guys. I appreciate it. That's actually, I, I think I marked, I circled that game a few days back. That I believe if the Jaguars lose every game between now and then, that would be the record-breaking game of uh, most losses in a row. Wow. What week is yeah. that? Do we know what, what week is that? It's, it's later in the season. It's between like 13 and 17. Yeah, but well, yeah, they'll, it, probably, it, they'll probably get a win before then, I, I would think. Never, but, never yeah. say never. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. Spoken like a man who covers the Jags. Look, John, we appreciate you as always, and, and we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, and have a great night. That game with the Jags is week 14, by the way. Thanks again to John Shipley for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Let's wrap it up with our own predictions here. What do you think happens in this game? Yeah, I'm not going to go far off from what John said. I, I do think the Titans ultimately win this game, uh, but I think it's probably closer than we would like it to be. <laughs> and maybe we're being a little negative right now, but a little difficult not to be coming off that Jets loss. So I'll go the Titans uh, 28, Jags 23. Ooh, a close one. All right. I'm going to flip the script. Mike Vrabel's team responds. They come out pissed off and angry, looking to whip some division ass. And they find that in the Jaguars, who are a complete dysfunctional disarray of non-functioning nonsense right now with what's happening with Urban Meyer's whole situation and the players laughing at him and nobody's in charge of the team. And he doesn't even think it's his job to get the players ready for Sunday's game against the Titans or something like that insanity coming out of Jacksonville. There's no way they hang with the Titans, but Titans offense still struggles a little bit. However, they win easily 24 to three. How about that? Look, I hope they come out pissed off and angry. I came out here pissed off and angry to do this show. <laughs> so they better be pissed off and angry. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
All right. Well, that will do it here on the Music City Audible. We did it. We talked about this team, how we see them compared to the rest of the league. Did we overrate the Titans? You heard all our thoughts here. And then we previewed the Jacksonville Jaguars game with John Shipley, our special guest. Thanks to him again for joining. Remember, you can follow him at underscore John underscore Shipley. You can follow Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. And before we get out of here, I want to read something here. Every single week, I feel like I ask you guys to pull out your phones, find the show wherever you listen to the podcast, and leave us a little review, five star with some written words. And you know what? I missed this last week, but Born1974, that's the username, left us a five star review. I just want to shout him out. He said, Great Titans and NFL podcast. Justin and Justin are awesome to listen to. Appreciate you, Born1974. And then just a couple days ago, GE Millum also left us a, a solid five-star review. And this one, I mean, just, just an excellent endorsement for all things Broadway Sports Media. This says, great show if you are a Titans fan. All of the Broadway Sports Media podcasts are good, but this one is the most focused at general Titans analysis. Football and other F-words is where to go for pure fun and emotion. Coach's Corner is where to listen to how the Titans are playing and hear insights into player performance and concepts you may not notice but make big differences. And Second in Victory is where you go to hear a bunch of fans hanging out and talking about their team. But this, the Music City Audible, is where you go for understanding team insights, interviews with players, inside scoops, and listening with those involved with weekly opponents. I never miss a show. Wow. You'd almost think that's an inside job if I, if I, <laughs> I mean, it's not, but GE Millum, we appreciate you. So anyway, you want to comment on that before we sign off? Hey, no, listen, guys, we, we appreciate your continued support. You know, it's great to hear that you tune in on a weekly basis. So thanks to everybody that has left us a review. Keep listening. We're going to keep bringing on wonderful guests, just like we did tonight like uh, in John Shipley uh, for, for uh, Jacksonville Sports Illustrated. So you can expect those that quality of guests every single week. And if you haven't left us a review yet, like Graver said, please consider it. Go ahead, drop a five-star review. Give us your written thoughts. We're always uh, down to read them on the show and, and listen to feedback as well. All right. Yes, that's right. Justin said it. We really appreciate you guys. We're happy to, to shout you out on the show. If you shout us out on the review page, I'm only really looking at Apple Podcasts. So if you're a Google Podcast person or a Spotify person, we appreciate you just as much, but I honestly don't know how to find the reviews for those shows. So Apple Podcasts, we will read those reviews on the show. All right, that'll do it. Music City Audible, thanks again for, to everyone for tuning in. We will be back next week to talk about one of the bigger games on the Titans schedule. They do play the Bills next after the Jaguars. So we will talk about that next week's show. Until then, you guys stay safe and tighten up. A Broadway sports media production. Football fans, are you a through and through fan of the two-tone blue? Do you enjoy keeping up with the Titans and everything going on around the team? Hey, I'm Easton Freeze, writer and broadcaster covering all things Tennessee Titans and the NFL. And I've got a brand new show that is going to be your new go-to podcast. Following the action on Sundays is fun and easy, but so much happens during the busy work week that you're missing. That's why I'm hosting The Titans 10, twice a week, a quick hitting show where we run down all the news and information surrounding the Tennessee Titans in around just 10 
minutes. We're recapping last week's game, looking ahead to this week's game, talking injury news, roster moves, and listening in on the best sound bites from coaches and players during the week. Join me, Easton Freeze, on the Titans 10 every Tuesday and Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central to stay informed and up to date on everything Titans. Subscribe to the Titans 10 podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Follow the show at the Titans 10 BSM and me at Easton Freeze on Twitter to get updates and interact with the show. I can't wait to see you there.